0: about that (laughs) so all right let me ask you a question because because this this whole tonight we're going to talk about christian growth but let me ask you about the word growth just that word in itself when you say the word growth what what kind of comes to your mind what do you think about when you think about growth (laughs) children Children. what about children They they grow all right so how important is growth with children Very important. So you take your children to the doctor from the time they're uh, two weeks old, and you take them every couple of months early on, and once a year, and then and as we because they're growing, right? That's how important growth is. Well, think about other things, other than other than, for instance, uh, Darren. Let's talk about growth and your your field of work. Exactly. If those animals didn't grow, it'd just be a, a, a tough, tough issue, wouldn't it? Same thing with, with William and, and, uh, and uh, Eli's pigs. We've got to make them things grow. So we're feeding them full of vitamins and all kinds of things to make them grow, right? But growth's important. All right, so, so think about church growth, the growth at Pine Hill. So when you think about Pine Hill's growth... What is more, what is the important part of the growth of Pine Hill Baptist Church? Growing closer to the Lord. All right, bringing people to the Lord, all right? Maturing, what was it Miss Betty? Change from state that are in. Yeah, change we're moving to a different state. We're growing uh, so when does growth stop? Never, never stops. So y'all been paying attention for a long time now, huh? <laughs> Growth never stops. We continue to grow. We want to grow. If I said that once, I've said it a thousand times. We want to grow closer to each other. We want to go closer to the Lord. We want our relationships to grow. We want fellowship to grow. We want our tummies to grow. <laughs> <laughs> They're not having any trouble with that, Okay. All right. So let's talk about growth. And so how do we grow as Christians? And that was what I wanted to look at this evening. because We're talking about Christian growth. But the question I put up before you is how do we grow as Christians? I want to use a, a several, just like we do on Sunday night. I want to use a, a main text, but I want to use a lot of supporting texts. But I want you to look at how each of these texts rep, uh, indicate growth, and especially Christian growth. So let's look at Ephesians first and see what, what Paul's saying in Ephesians 4, 11. And you know before this is where he's talking about uh, pastors and preachers and evangelists, all that, and, and it comes right on into this. Alright? And, and starting in verse 11, he says, And he himself Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Those are that's a very important verse of scripture, verse 12. I mean equipping the saints, growing, all right. That's that's a growth issue, all right? Building up the body of Christ, that's another growth issue, all right? Until we reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing in maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness, all right? So we'll never be to that maturity, but that's our striving toward maturity, all right? 14, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of the deceit, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him Who is head, which is Christ. Now, from him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body and for the building itself up in love by the proper working of God's individual parts. So, that passive scripture, not only talking about the pastors, the evangelists, and the teachers, but it was focusing on growth, and that's Christian growth. And what it's looking at here is what, what what we think about growth. We don't intend for babies to stay babies, even though you want them to stay baby. My- oh, you need to stay baby for, for so long, right? They grow up so fast. That's the phrase that we use. We don't want them to grow up so fast. Like Davis, you know, remember when Davis was just crawling around? Huh? <laughs> remember when he just crawled around and, and that was it? And now all of a sudden, he's he's going. Before you know he's going to be up here teaching and preaching. he's already been up here some. But but you think about it. They grow up so fast because of growth. And that's what we want. God doesn't. Well, let me back up. We don't want our children to remain infants. We want them to grow. That's why we nurture them. That's why we feed them. That's why we take care of them. Because we want them to grow and be what? What's the word? It starts with an H. Healthy, we want to be healthy. Do we want our church to be healthy? Exactly, all right, so it all goes hand in hand. Let's look at this. God wants us to grow up and be like Christ in everything. In every single thing, just like we were talking about earlier, our growth. We want to make sure that people come to know the Lord. We want to make sure that we're an example of people so that they want to have a desire to know what we know. We want, to, we want to be an example so people have a desire to come to know the same thing that we know, the Savior that we know. All right? We were not meant to remain as children. Now, we know this from last year's study on discipleship. When, we were, when you come to know the Lord, you're a spiritual what? Infant. All right, and then you grow into a spiritual child, into a spiritual uh, adult, to a parent, until maturity, and that's the stepping process. We weren't, in, God didn't intend for us to stay as spiritual infants. There's a growth process that takes place, and that's from being in the Word. That's from studying. That's from being with like-minded people, and that's from in prayer and personal Bible study time, all right? We start as a spiritual infant, but we must continue to strive to grow to spiritual maturity. That's what we should do. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if y'all noticed this or not, but when I get excited about something, what happens to my voice? Patty told me this. She checked me on the way home today. She said, you talk a lot faster when you get excited. And I think, yeah, okay. So I try to slow down. I try to think about it, all right? Remember which when you were young and your mom and your dad would say this phrase. Look at this. You need to what? You need to grow up. Did they ever tell you all that? Your mom and dad ever just come out and say, no, uh, Vonda, you said your dad was pretty gruff. Did he ever say that to you? You need to grow up. It's time for you to grow up, or perhaps it's time for you to grow up. Now, God wants you to grow up as a Christian, all right? Now, now I'm not saying that God's looking at us and he's saying, y'all need to grow up. Jesus said, y'all, remember that two weeks ago? <laughs> y'all go over there, Okay. Y'all need to grow up. The goal for God has for each of us is to become more mature and to develop the characteristics of Jesus Christ. We're to be Christ-like. All right? This isn't new material. This is just a refresher. All right? Unfortunately, here we go. Millions of Christians grow older, but they never what? They never grow up. They get age, but they never grow up. They're still spiritual infants. All right from the from the point that they were they never grew up in Christian maturity they grow older but they don't mature all right now spiritual growth is not automatic it's not something that's going to be automatic it's not just like the aging process which is automatic Right. It takes nurturing. It takes investment. It takes people investing in lives of other people to help people grow the way they should grow. Now, it's not something that will will come without intentional commitment. Here's your fill in the blanks. Your first one, right? Spiritual growth is not automatic. So here we go. You must blank to grow. What do you think? You must want to grow. First, you got to have a desire for it. So you must want to grow. You must want to move from where you were to where you're going, all right? You must want to grow. Number 2, you must make a decision to grow. You got to make that decision. You got to make a decision to grow. You're going to make a decide that that's what I want to do. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to grow, all right? Number 3, you must make an effort to grow. It takes work. It takes an effort. When you say, "Hey, I want to grow," but you never open up the Bible, how much growth is there? When you say, I want to grow, but you don't attend church, how much growth is there? When you say, I want to grow, but I don't want to be in a, a, a Bible study, or I don't want to do these things, see, see where the growth is hindered, all right? You've got to make an effort to grow, and then you have to be persistent in growing. There's got to be a consistency and a persistence in what you're doing, and, and that's with anything, all right? You think about your profession, all right? You, you might have went to school and got your profession, but the means you got out. Here's the thing is when I went to school, got my degree, I learned more the first year of working than I did in my schooling. Because there was a growth that took place in there. Did that happen with y'all? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And sometimes it's more than just the one year, isn't it? It continues to go on. So there's a growth. You've got to be persistent in growing. All right. So. Discipleship is the process of becoming more like Christ. That's, a, that's what we want to do, man. Evangelism is important to this church. Evangelism is important to me. Discipleship is very important to me. Being a disciple, bringing people to know Jesus Christ and becoming a Christian, which is a disciple. Christian and disciple is an interchangeable word. They were called disciples way before they were called Christians. All right? So, but then from that point, where do you go from being a disciple to what? To be, say it loud, Trish. To be in a disciple maker, all right? We, we're, we're not going to sit still. We're not going to be idle, all right? That's, that's our, what we need to do. Now, Jesus extends the call to each of us with two simple words. Levanda, what are those two words? Follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Called her out, didn't it? <coughs> what does that go back to the very first time you come into this church? Huh? Yeah. I don't forget easily, for Levanda. <laughs> so so I'm going to share something with y'all Since we're on LaVanda real quick <laughs> We went and did the Lord's Supper with several people We had a couple teams went out uh, One team went to see Ron and Kitty and Miss Fran and, and another team went to see Miss Eleanor and Miss Sadie And so the team I was on went to see Miss Eleanor and Miss Sadie And then when we, we finished having the Lord's Supper with Miss Sadie We got LaVanda to play us a song <laughs> So she, she broke down. Levanda doesn't know it. I recorded it on my phone. She doesn't know it. I've got it, so I can play it back. Jason will probably put it up on the video next week. But, but anyhow, all rights are reserved, so to speak. I got it from the back, so you really can't see her face. All right, so follow me. Two important words, capital A-F and a capital M. If it ain't on your phrase, that should have been capitalized, all right? All right, Matthew 9, verse 9 says this. And Jesus went on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And we talked about obedient servants. We talked about the, the way they responded, how quick they responded, if they hesitated. When you think about Jesus Christ saying, hey, I want you to follow me, well, go back to Peter. You know, think about the fact that he extended the call to to those initial disciples and where they were at and how they responded. You know, what did it take for Peter to want to follow him? A boatload of what? Fish. All right. So he tells Matthew to follow him strictly by looking in his eyes and says, follow me, Matthew. Checks out of the tax collector's booth, and here he's following Jesus. All right. When the first disciples chose to follow Jesus, here's something that's very important. Do you think they knew what they were getting into? No. When Jesus said, "Follow me," just follow me. You gotta, you gotta know that there's some kind of dem- his demeanor must have been different. His, his, his. The way it came across had to be different. The fact that he was the son of God speaking had to be, it had to be powerful in the first place when he said, follow me. But some hesitated, some went right off the bat. But that's the thing about it, that they didn't have a clue. They didn't understand the implications of their decisions. When you think about it, they were going to follow him. Well, Peter's talking about, hey, we're going to make a lot of money catching all these fish. You know, we could we could really do well if we could do this two or three times. But anyhow, you look at that and what's taking place. They didn't know what was going to happen. Here's the thing. They didn't know what was going to happen to Jesus. They they didn't know what was going to happen to themselves when he ascended and left them. You know, there's going to be a lengthy time of ministry. There's going to be a time when a lot of people come to know him. But what is the what is their end product look like? Huh? Where is, where is their life going to end up? When you think about it, they had no clue. Their journey began with spiritual infancy. These, these young men who, who Jesus said, follow me, were all spiritual infants. Most of them were in the early teens, to late teens. Uh, for the most part, you would think that most of the disciples were anywhere from 16, 17, or 18, based on the fact that Peter was the only one that was married, all right, and the fact that most young men were married by the time they were 20, 21 years old. So you think that the, most of them were in that area, in that age bracket, all right? They were spiritual infants, all right? But it continued to grow. Their journey continued to grow throughout their years of walking with Jesus. So for the next three years, their journey continued to grow as he's investing in their lives. But the thing about it, Jesus ascended to heaven. Their spiritual journey didn't plateau. It did what? It continued to grow. It continued to grow. As, and more and more, as they, as they used the Holy Spirit to lead them, it continued to grow. All right? Now, they simply responded to his invitation at, uh, that was given to them. And they followed him based on what? Faith. They fall in based on faith. I don't think that's a fill-in, but anyhow, they fall in based on faith. It's the only thing that you need to get started, which is in order to have the most rewarding relationship that you will ever encounter, is to make the intentional decision to be a disciple and decide to follow Jesus Christ. All right, you with me? No? Yes, okay. Nothing shapes your life more than a commitment that you choose to make, all right? Your commitment can develop you, or they can destroy you. And let's look at this. And they most likely will define you. We become whatever we are committed to. Now, many people are afraid to continue uh, to commit to anything. They're afraid to commit to anything, and they just drift around like half-heartedly committing to nothing, which leads to frustration. Now, other people make uh, significant full commitments to worldly goals and they become wealthy, or they become famous, and many times they end up disappointed or bitter. It's not always rosy on the other side. Every choice that we make has eternal consequences, and that's what's important. We want to make sure that we choose wisely, because our choices have eternal consequences. All right, now look at Peter when uh, warns us in Second Peter three eleven. Peter warns us. That since everything around us is going to melt away what holy, godly lives we should be living. I and mean, this world is going to one day pass by. It's one day going to be over with. All right, It's going to have no value whatsoever after it's over with. And then we're going to make sure that we're investing into eternal life. So get with your, your, your handout coming up here now. Christ-likeness is a result of making Christ-like what? What do you think we should do? To be Christ-like, we should. it's a result of making Christ-like choices, all right? world's full of choices. We all got to make choices, all right? We want to make Christ-like choices, all right? And depending on His Spirit to help fulfill those choices, all right? Jesus Christ is, is what we're shooting for. We want to make choices to be like Christ, but we're depending on the Holy Spirit to help us fulfill the choices that we make, all right? Now... Once you decide to get serious about becoming like Christ, you must uh, begin to act in new ways. Now, here's the thing. You will need to let go of some old routines. Those are hard to do sometimes, but we need to let go of those, and we need to develop some new habits. Habits is important. The thing is, is, most habits are things that occur at least seven times. And once you do something at least seven times, it becomes a habit when you think about it. So when you make an intentional decision to be uh, making sure that the first 20 to 30 minutes of your morning includes uh, your quiet time or your Bible study time. And I'm not saying that you have to do it every morning, but there needs to be a dedicated time when you're, you're, you're devoting it to the Lord. And that's a habit. Once you, become, once you start that habit, it's hard to get out of it. And then you don't want to break it. You feel like you've missed out on something when you don't have it like it's supposed to be. You you all agree? It's important. For instance, this small group study, you know, it becomes a habit. But it's hard that when you don't have it, it's like you feel like you've missed out on something. All right? Now, um, Philippians 2.12. Continue to work out. And that's that's two words you want to make sure you you single out in that passage of Scripture. It says, continue to work out. Make sure you understand work out. And don't, don't mis- misunderstand that. Make sure you work out your salvation. All right? There's, there's a distinction there. All right? Which fear, with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to act according to his good purpose. Now, this verb written, is written to believers. All right? It's not about how to get saved that's not what it's about. Here's your fill-in. So this, this verse of Scripture doesn't tell you how to get saved. That passage we looked at this morning where Paul's talking uh, to the jailer. He's telling them how to get saved. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. This verse of Scripture that, that Paul's talking about here does not tell us how to get saved. It tells us how to what? What's the word we talked about? It starts with a G. Grow. He's telling us how to grow, and that's what it's focusing on, all right? It does, not, it does not say work for your salvation, all right, because you can't add anything to what Jesus has already done. So there's no working for salvation. It's talking about working out your salvation. All right, let's look at this. During a physical workout, you exercise to develop your body, not to get a new one, right? Now, when you say you're getting fit, you might think you're getting a new body, But you got the same body. God gave you one body. It's for life. That's the body you have. You're going to have it for life. When you work out and exercise, you're not trying to get a new body. You're trying to do what? Grow and develop the one I got. I'm trying to to get it back in shape. All right? You'll only ever have one body. And look at this. Farmers work the land not to get land but to do What? To develop the land that they already have, it's the same thing. God has given you one, uh, given you a new life, and now you're responsible for developing it. Now that means taking your spiritual growth seriously. You got to take it seriously. This isn't—I'm going to be frank with you. This isn't a game. This is serious business. All right. Uh, that means taking your spiritual growth seriously. To change your life, you must change the way you what? The way you think. It's got to start in the mind. The control of everything you do starts in the mind. You've got to change the way you think about it, all right? Behind everything you do is a thought process that went into what you do, all right? Every believer is motivated by a belief, and every action is prompted by an attitude. Now, God revealed this thousands of years before psychologists ever understood it, all right? Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts, so change the way you think. Now look at Romans twelve two. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transition you into a new person by changing the way you what? Changing the way you think. All right? So that's important to us. God wants us to change the way we think. He wants us to change our focus from worldly issues to make sure we're focused on on godly perspectives all right your first step in spiritual growth is to start changing the way you think change always starts first in the mind now listen to this the way you think determines the way you feel when you think about it the way you think determines the way you feel it it has a factor in that and the way you feel influences the way you act you agree with that Exactly. All right. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.23, and we we'll go if we went back to this and looked at it, we read it earlier, that there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and your attitudes. And we've talked about attitude. We've talked about thoughts a lot with it as well. To be like Christ, you must develop the mind of Christ. And that's hard to fathom what that is, but he gives us a lot of examples. He gave us a lot of models. When you look through the Scripture at, at the Gospels and you see the life of Jesus Christ, everything that he did was an example. And that's, what, that's what's in his thought process. And from a worldly standpoint, we need to be looking at that, the things that he did, the way he acted, the things that he said, the love that he shared, all right? To be like Christ, you must develop the mind of Christ. We are commanded to think the same way Christ Jesus thought. Now, stop thinking immature thoughts which are self-centered and self-thinking. And then We're going back to spiritual infancy, all right? all right? The Bible says stop thinking like children. Babies by nature are completely selfish. When you think about it, a baby only concerned about who? Itself. It only knows to be concerned about itself. That's the instinct that it's born with, but it's selfish, all right? It's only concerned about making sure that it's taken care of. It doesn't care about anybody else. You look at it that way, all right? It's not capable of giving, but it only can receive. Now, the Bible says that selfish thinking is a source of sinful behavior. Now, that is not for infants. It's not what it's saying, all right? It's for people who know the difference between right and wrong. All right, we're talking about young adults or adults. Romans 8, 5 says this. For those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their mind set on the things of the Spirit. So start thinking maturely, which focuses on other people, not on ourselves. Now, that's, thinking of others is a mark of maturity. It doesn't mean you think less of yourself. It just means you think of yourself less. That was a close one. Y'all <laughs> got it? I had to practice that. Don't say it wrong, all right? 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. When I was a child, I what? Spoke it like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away what? Childish things. All right, so today, all right? Today, many people assume that spiritual maturity is measured by the amount of biblical information or doctrine that they know. When you think about it, you know, most people think maturity is based on how much biblical information you know. Knowledge is only one source of measurement of spiritual maturity or Christian growth. Knowledge is only one one measurement tool, all right? The Christian life includes conduct, character, and it must be backed up by Christian behavior. Amen? You got to see it. People don't, you can tell them how smart you are, but they really don't care until they see it, right? They want to be able to see it, and we want to make sure that they see it the right way. We want to just like this one, we want to make sure that we have the right answer. When someone comes up to you and says, how must I, what must I do to be saved? That's a good question. What, do you know the answer to that? Yes, you do. Amen. All right. right. What must I do to be saved? Pace your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. All right? All right. Christianity is not a religion nor a philosophy. It is a what? Relationship and a lifestyle. That's two important words. Christianity is our lifestyle. It's a relationship with the Father, and it is our lifestyle. All right? Relationships are important. The core of that lifestyle is thinking of others the same way Jesus did. Now, thinking of others is the heart of Christ's likeness and the best evidence of spiritual growth. Now, this kind of thinking is unnatural and it's often difficult. But fortunately, we have help. God has given us the power of what? The Holy Spirit, all right? That's why we don't think the same way that people of the world think, all right? So I, I put down a memory verse for you to hang on to, and it's it's Romans twelve two. all right? It says, let God transform you inwardly. By a complete change of your mind, then you will be able to know the will of God, uh, what is good and pleasing to Him, and is perfect. All right? And it's just just for your application, and below that, under application, uh, it's never too late to start growing. It doesn't matter where you are in the growth process. It's never too late to enhance growth or to start growing. All right? And here's a question for you. What is one area where I need to stop thinking my way, And start thinking God's way. Uh, Any questions? That's a charge. All right. All righty. Well, let's move into our time.